Have you ever been asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Gwen gets to work. I like talking to people and they like talking back to me. Well, that's what I think. One day I asked my mum, what, how do I know what I want to be when I grow up? My mum said, if I interview people about like their jobs and things like that, well, I will find out and like the people, all the people who who are listening, um, you will find out too if you don't know. Let's get to work. Hello, so I am Gwen, and you are Catherine, right? Hi. So I know that you're the manager of the airfield. How's it like being the manager? Well, I kind of got there a little bit by chance because <laughs> in 1992, my husband bought the airfield because we live right next door. And during the war, the airfield belonged to his family and then it was taken away by the Ministry of Defence to become a wartime airfield. So he felt he wanted to buy it back. So it's kind of what we would call I like a Nepo wife. <laughs> so have you always liked loved planes? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> My husband is a helicopter pilot. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So did you like doing what like what did you like doing when you were like my age, like at school or at home? Well nothing to do with planes. Anyway. <laughs> I used to do a lot of riding when I was at home. I didn't have a pony, but I had loads of friends who had yeah. ponies. And I really liked that. I love the, you know, all girls love ponies. Yeah. And um, I lived in Scotland and we lived on a hill and I really enjoyed bicycling down the hill because it's like really fast. But we had there were lots of kids in the village, so we did a lot of bicycling. Probably something that might not be allowed now because it's. We used to go all morning, go to the river and streams. It's good fun. That's nice. It's weird, like you knowing that you used to live in Scotland and now you live here. Yeah, I kind of married a guy who lives here. So, as a woman, what challenges? challenges have you like faced doing what you do because when I was airfield it was mostly like men you know like working and stuff like that yeah you're right it is mostly men I think I have always worked with mostly men I kind of I was a car dealer before this I did do a secretarial training which was probably the most useful bit of training I've ever done because I can do shorthand and I can type really fast but actually I've never worked like that. I think that actually women are better at most things than men. Um, they just are awesome. But having said that, I think men are braver than women. And I don't think that women make excellent pilots, but I think men are braver and that probably gives them a little bit of advantage over women when it comes to things like kind of war and being, 
you know, pray with an aircraft if you need to do that. I, I, yeah, I think that women, they are, we have a lot of women who work here and I would support their cause to the hilt. They are excellent and they get things done. And um, so I don't think that any of these people who say that, you know, women shouldn't be playing the same, I would like to play them more because actually they do the job better. I agree. Um, so can you tell me about like Whitewater Field during the World War II and about the ATA? Okay, so Whitewater Met was a small training airfield called Haviland um, before the war. And then it's an amazing spot, Whitewater, because it is a little bit raised up from the surroundings and it's sort of flat. It, it, so it made a perfect airfield. And they, the ATA is the air transport auxiliary, and they set up uh, an arrangement whereby the aircraft that were being built in the factories, like Bristol and Coventry, would need to be taken to different places, to their squadrons, and also they need to be taken to have radios fitted, compasses fitted, and um, other avionics equipment. So the ATA squadron, and there were quite a few airfields all over England set up with little little um, posses of people who would collect these aeroplanes and fly them to the airfields where they needed to be so that they could fight, they could be sent off. So Spitfires, bombers, all sorts. And White Waltham was the head of the ATA. And the interesting thing about the ATA was, once again, I think it was a squadron of, let's say, about 900 people, but I think about 100 were women. I, my fingers might not be completely right, but this was the sort of beginning of the women pilots. Um, they'd been taught to fly a lot of them by possibly their fathers who had light aircraft. And they flew a lot of different aircraft, and there are some quite interesting books about them. The, and so that's where the ATA started. And what was an airfield was a, a training airfield as well. We taught people to fly. The, the Ministry of Defence, the RAF, had chipmunks and diamonds here teaching people to fly. And that's really how it came about, and it just stayed on like that after the war until about 1970-something, I think. It must feel, like, amazing to be, like, part of, like, such history. So do you want, do you have any, like, you don't have to share, but do you have any, like, good stories based on women pilots who were trained or based at the airfield during the war? Well, it's a good question, and I, to be honest, we've written a book, a little tiny book on the subject, and I'm, I am very bad with my memory. I should have looked it out before I came. But there are stories about women being asked to fly an aircraft in an emergency and having to get into the cockpit wearing a ball gown, because that's what they were wearing at the time, and putting a big leather jacket over it. Um, to, so that they could fly the plane. Then there are other stories about women pilots arriving at other airfields and the office manager in the airfield when they got out of the plane looked around when they saw this woman and they said, well, where's the pilot? And the woman would say, well, I'm the pilot. Um, they would be like amazed because she arrived in a bomber or a massive aircraft, which they didn't believe she could fly, but she did. Though each girl is a pilot when she comes, she must adjust herself to a new technique. 
and hairdos are sacrificed. Time out for the daily sun bath, storing up energy against the grueling training of minds and bodies for the tremendous responsibilities that lie ahead. Lots of these women had to fly aircraft that they'd never flown before, so it was, they were quite gutsy. So how do you let people know about like this history? Because you don't like a museum or like anything like that. Well, we have written a little book. It is available, uh, $4.99, really expensive. <laughs> but it is really a pamphlet. I think what awesome is it does appear in quite a few books around the place. There's also, there is the Heritage Museum in Maidenhead, which is very interesting and, and does have a lot of information about White Waltham. We're not a museum, you're quite right. I, although it sometimes feels like we are a museum because there's so much old stuff here. Yeah. So do you think that after like the ATA, there have been more like women becoming pilots and engineers and other stuff like that? Yeah. There definitely are women becoming pilots. I'm not so sure about engineering, it's quite a dirty job. I don't want to get that. But um, we have, we, we, we encourage women to fly and we have mm-hmm. old girls learning to fly and they go off to the airlines. They're really good. Um, but they need to, to build their self confidence. Women quite often have not such, they're not so confident as men yeah. in that kind of area. But they do really well. Yeah. yeah we, we've got plenty of, there are plenty of women in the bar who work at British mm-hmm. Airways and who are captains or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on. They're on. Like, do people learn to fly planes at like White Water? Yeah, we have a flying school where you can learn to fly. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it does take quite a long time. You really have to concentrate yeah. on everything you're doing. But it is well worthwhile. It's very rewarding. And you, well, it's like achieving any skill. You feel like so cool once you've done it. I just want to say one thing. You're it. I did it. Um, but that is one of our main businesses, is teaching people to fly. Yeah. So Whitewater Airfield has like a sort of like a pub and lots of like other rooms. Do you have lots of activities and things for people that love aeroplanes? Yeah, um, we kind of do. But <laughs> we are principally a flying club, so most of the people here are pilots. There's quite a big social following. Lots of people like to sit outside on a summer's evening, have a beer, watch the planes fly, <laughs> and go. So in that respect, that is um, kind of what people do. We have a members' day, um, and the, we have lots of things for the kids to do on that day. We do flower bobbing, which means you've got to drop bags of flour out of an aircraft and try and land it on a target. Sounds easy, but actually it's much more difficult than you think. <laughs> we also have spot landing competitions, which means you've got to land. You obviously have an instructor with you, because otherwise, if you can't fly, that wouldn't work at all. <laughs> um, you've got to land on a certain position. We have helicopter rides. We've got a couple of train clubs here, model railway clubs, and they put up a, a layout. And okay, yeah. Go driving the trains, which is good. <laughs> 
cool. They're mm. amazing. Like little, little tiny animals and little fields. And they're really intricate uh, layouts. Can you tell me what you do on like a typical day as an owner of the airfield? A typical day? Okay, my best day is when I don't have to get up too early. Mm-hmm. I hate getting up early. I usually drive from my huts, which is really on the end of our main railway, with my two dogs. And I drive quite slowly because they're, obviously they're on a walk um, and I'm in the car. And I, at that point, I've probably made a list of people I want to ring up. So I ring them up while I'm driving along. And it's all on um, the perimeter track of the airfield. So while I'm driving off, I'm looking at things that need doing, looking at if the grass needs cutting, if all the hangers are okay, how many planes are out, if they're too close together. Um, I'm thinking about things like, do we need any fuel? What runway are we using? Is it windy? What's the weather going to be like for the rest of the day? Are we going to be busy? Do I need to go and work in operations because we're going to be busy? Yeah. What else have I got to do? I... There's lots of different things <laughs> that I need to think about. Um, so it just kind of... And it takes me about 20 minutes to get from my house to here at about five miles an hour. So it gives me a good chance to look at everything that's going on and who's flying and what's going on. And then when I get to my desk, I've got a good kind of... I've got some things I know I need to do for the day. So how has technology like changed what you do over the years? <laughs> well, actually, the planes that we fly, um, some of them were built in 1979, so they're pretty old. So in that respect, they haven't changed very much. And in fact, most of the planes that everybody flies at this level in general aviation are the same. They have piston engines and um, they, they operate in the same way as they did in 1979. What has changed is the avionics, so everything's much more electric and more internet-based. The navigation systems are much improved. Maps are better. Weather forecasting has really improved and that obviously helps a pilot incredibly. The cloud breaks, the rain moves, and we give much more accurate forecasts these days as a result. So, talking of such things, let's take a look at the forecast for the weekend. We have got a fair bit of dry weather around. We've also got some rain around, and that's coming in quickly from the west. Technology is great, isn't it, my trust? In the war, they would set off without knowing what the weather was going to be like. And sometimes they would run into clouds and rain and hail. Yeah. Um, but nowadays we can see what the weather's going to be like and that makes it much safer. That's true. And much, they're much easier for pilots. So I think it's kind of, it's just much easier for them. And you can track your flight so you can see where you've been. Britain is full of airspace restrictions. So you can't fly obviously over London. Just if you want to, you have to you know, contact Heathrow and a load of different calls. Um, nowadays, being able to see it all very clearly on an iPad or something really helps yeah. the pilot. 
So it's kind of gone a bit easier. Yeah. But there is a lot more stuff. Yeah. So do people like visit from abroad? Yeah. Well, they do visit from abroad. Some people that fly here from Pakistan and Hong Kong and places like that where they yeah. really don't have very good public airspace, so you can't learn to fly. Um, and we do get people flying from France, obviously. Yeah. Local countries, Ireland, but they don't come that far. Yeah. We had one from Italy the other day, so yeah, they do come, but not, not hugely. <laughs> So could you share some, like, memorable moments or events that have taken place at the airfield or an aero club while you were there? Well, there's obviously been some bad things. We have had, not very many, but a few since I've been here for 17 years. Uh, you always are going to get crashes. Sometimes yeah. people die very rarely. But uh, normally they don't. It's yeah. fine. Um, so those are the bad things. That's probably the worst thing that could happen to anybody on an airfield. The good things are, I like the parties. We have lots <laughs> of parties here. We love parties. Um, the good thing is seeing people complete their course. You know, oh, yeah. here, they find it quite hard, but they stay at it. And then when they get their license, they're so thrilled. But they're, they're delighted. And also, there's a big moment in every pilot's uh, training is when they go solo for the first time. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you are on your own in a little aircraft, which is really scary, I think. I've yeah. never done it because I, I can't fly. But I watch these kids. It's, the kids actually find it really easy. It's like, it's the 50-year-old it's the lady who has never played before and she's been training and she's been around <laughs> 15, 20 hours, whatever it's taken, and the instructor says, okay, I'm gonna get out. But she's left just by herself in this aircraft and she's gonna go, she's gonna take off, go round in a circle and come back and land. And landing isn't the most difficult bit. Um, and I just think that is a big moment for everyone. <laughs> and they, we always give them a drink in the bar afterwards, just to make them feel good. And it's a big moment. Some people get to that moment and they don't bother to do the rest of the course. <laughs> they just think that's kind of so cool. <laughs> Sounds nice. So, do you have like anything you'd love to do in your job or at the airfield that you aren't doing that well, you would like to do? kind of really like to have a pizza restaurant, which is kind of nothing to do with aeroplanes, but maybe I just need a pizza oven. I just think it'd be really nice to be able to have pizzas on a Friday night. Last question, unless you want to, like, you know, say anything else. Um, so are you worried about people, like, flying less because of the environment, or do you think there will be, like, electric planes and that sort of thing? I think that's a great question. And actually, I've got a great answer to that. <laughs> I think it's a great answer. But there will be electric planes. 
for sure there'll be electric planes. It's just a technology yeah. that needs to be developed and it will get there and it'll be fantastic because they won't be so noisy and they won't be so invasive into people because we're you know, a small country with a lot of people in it. But you should know that at this airfield, where we are very busy, we fly thousands of hours a year, the whole airfield each year only uses as much fuel as one aircraft going to Australia and back. And given that there are many aircraft going to Australia and back each day, that is the amount of fuel we use in one year. So it is bad for the environment, but there is a much bigger there are things that need to be sorted yeah. before we need to worry about what we're using in terms of fuel. The uh, jets, they have got better. They have got better, but they are very, they have very high burn rate, I think that's what it's called. Fuel burn rate. So the environment does suffer. The, the, the jets in the sky are not really using the fuel. Yeah. So I think that's it, unless you want to say anything else. No, I'd just like to say thank you. And kind of really interesting, making me think about all these questions, which I probably didn't give enough thought to, but... No, it's... It's really interesting, and it's also very nice of you to be interested in me. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. So bye, everyone.